everyone. Welcome back and thank you again for joining me. For anyone that's new to the podcast, my name is Carly Nicole and I'm a medium in Perth in WA. So today I wanted to talk about something that is, it's one of those things that I've been thinking about for a little while. When we lose somebody, the grief journey looks different for everybody, first off, but sometimes it's complicated. If if we've had people in our life who have struggled with their own demons around, for example, addictions or uh, abuse or any of those things, sometimes grieving for them can bring in this whole other perspective and it's difficult. So I wanted to share my story around this because, well, because I believe in being vulnerable and also because I think that we need to be able to talk about these things. Now, my mum passed away in 2020. She was, without a doubt, my best friend. I could tell her anything. Um, she had an incredibly tragic life, early life. She fell in love and got pregnant when she was 17, got married, um, had two beautiful little boys. Her husband was, uh, he, well, he was a farmer, but he, when mum met him, it was all during kind of the the war uh, in Rhodesia as it was then and then on into Zimbabwe and unfortunately my mom's family so her husband her brother who was only 19 at the time her two little boys who were two and four years old and a guy who'd come over as a, a bright light for the family it was like a security type detail called Philippe who was friends with well he became friends with them they all got ambushed and killed outside of the farmhouse, the family farmhouse where mum and David were living. And mum wasn't with them. She just got off the vehicle. She had been with them, but she just got off the vehicle because she'd gone inside to go and wash terry toweling nappies, which were the thing back in the day. Um, she would only have been, I don't know, 23 or 25 at the time. And hang on, 18. Yeah, she would have been 23. And for something to have happened like that in such close proximity to her and in such a devastating way, that was going to have an effect. So my mom, she went on to become an amazing teacher. She went to South Africa and became a teacher. She went to university and, you know, down the track a little bit. She met my dad and they fell in love and got married and then my brother and myself came along. So she had, by the time mum was 30, she'd had lived two very, very different lives. Unfortunately, the trauma that she'd gone through had left her with a drinking problem. Now, I don't have any recollection of this as a younger person at all. Uh, it must have happened after I'd gone to bed or I honestly could not, couldn't tell you. Um, but certainly later on in life, I was aware of it. Um, Mum was very functional, so she's not one of those, I don't even know if I could call her an alcoholic, but I suppose I suppose for the purpose of this, I will. I never, she was very functional. I never saw her work suffer for this particular habit. Um, it's, sorry, this is a harder one to talk about, obviously. <laughs> so mum and dad didn't stay together. They got divorced and we moved from the ranch into town little place called Bulawayo in Zimbabwe. And mum was a very well-known, very respected teacher there. And she actually taught at my high school. 
And all the while she was struggling with this drinking problem. So to my mind, this would only ever be a thing on the weekends. I remember it probably from being 10, maybe 12 onwards, as in years old onwards. And mum would be fine up until the weekends and in the evenings she'd start drinking and then she'd get herself into a bit of a state and, you know, well, it's never a pretty picture, let's face it. So that would be the weekends, but over the week mum was fine and obviously very functional at school and everything else. She'd suffered so much loss and so much tragedy and it was something that um, I think her close friends knew, but people just didn't talk about it. Nobody would acknowledge it. Nobody would talk about it. Um, the fact that she had an issue. And when it did come up later on down the track, it wasn't well received. <laughs> so it was one of those secrets that you keep. And it's almost like Jekyll and Hyde, like this amazing, resilient, beautiful, loving, nurturing woman who parented the hell out of me and all of my friends. <laughs> she made space for everybody. And she was an incredible teacher, a very dedicated historian. Uh, she was amazing. The other side of her was this broken, uh, addicted angry woman and after mum passed some of the grieving process kind of centered around that so ultimately my mum had emphysema she was a smoker as well and she never stopped smoking but she died just after she turned 60 she turned 60 on the 2nd of December and she was gone by the 27th of January I think that uh, obviously the drinking and that had got worse as well her health had been deteriorating. The drinking got worse. Um, the school where she was working had, they told her they were going to make her redundant. They actually did this thing where they got rid of um, older generational teachers. So I think anyone over 60 had a target on them or something. I'm not I'm not sure of the details. But anyway, mum's health hadn't maintained a great record in, in any way for her to be able to, <coughs> excuse me, to carry on attending and teaching the way she was. And she was head of department. So... When she got that news, that was devastating for her. She was living in Bulawayo on her own at that point because I left home at 17 and moved over to the UK and now I'm in Australia. And my older brother left to go and live with my dad when he was 14. So, oh no, I was 14, he was 16. So she had no one there and we'd been putting some pressure on her to come and join us in Australia, but I don't think she wanted to be a burden on us. So I think the drinking got gradually worse and a combination of her emphysema and her drinking ended up with her being in hospital and ultimately passing away because of stomach ulcers and internal bleeding. So a horrible way to go, a lonely way to go. Um, actually, with her passing, I'd spoken to the specialist of the doctors the night before and he told me that mum was going to be discharged within a couple of days. She'd be home, but she just needed to take better care of herself. But I had gone upstairs that evening and I'd seen all of my family and spirits sitting in the lounge that we had up there and they'd said to me that mum was going home to them. And I thought I was wrong. I hoped I was wrong because the specialist thought that, that, you know, that there was no way that mum wasn't going home to her house. <laughs> she was just supposed to be being discharged and told off. Um, but my family and spirit had a different story to tell me. And then the day after I'd seen them, I was getting ready for a client who had driven for three hours to come and see me. And I was in the hallway doing my makeup in the hallway mirror. And my mum turned up next to me. So I see physically, my mediumship is, is predominantly clairvoyant. So I see spirit physically. And I said to her, mum, you can't be here and be over there at the same time. So what's the story? And she said to me, my baby, my body's in a coma and I'm not going back. I'm so sorry. 
And I said to her, please don't be sorry. We're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. and I'm going to be okay. And she told me how much she loved me. And I saw her family standing around her. And I thought, that's it. That's how it's got to be. So this is the other thing about mediumship. I still went through with that other reading. I knew before anyone else, even the people in Zimbabwe knew that my mom had died. Her body was in a coma, um, but she, her soul had departed. And they didn't even know, her caretakers and that over there in Zim didn't even know that she'd gone into a coma yet because the hospital hadn't told them. So I phoned and told them. And then I had to go into this reading. And that, that, that shows you how much our mediumship doesn't have to do with us as people because there's no way that you could have that knowledge and go straight into a working environment and represent in the way that you need to uh, from that authentic space. So it goes to show, and this is just a deviation, but it just goes to show how much of a channel we truly are because I had to go into that reading. And when I came out of it, I had the calls from the hospital saying that mom was in a coma, which I obviously knew already. Um, and I said to my mom, I just said to her, I understand, but please don't. Making me switch off that life support system is a bridge too far. I can't do that. And 12 hours, almost to the minute, 12 hours later, her body died. And she wasn't in a coma anymore and she was she was declared deceased, <laughs> to use the clinical terms. And and that was it. This beautiful light just snubbed out physically. But she was very much around me. My family and spirit were very much around me. And that was beautiful. But at the same time, you still have to honor the grieving process for you as a daughter. Or I had to. For me as a human being, I'd lost my mom. I'd lost my best friend. I'd lost the grandmother of my children that I hadn't had yet, you know. I felt like I'd been robbed of all these moments. And we're allowed to feel like that. I think the point I'm trying to say is we're allowed to feel like that, regardless of. And since mums died, I found myself almost justifying, you know, I'll kind of, when she comes through in readings or, because mum's mom, always there in spirit supporting me in that and other mediums, I'm friends obviously with lots of people like me. <laughs> and, um when they connect with her and things like that and when people ask me questions about her, especially when she owns the drinking thing, as I call it, I'm always like, yeah, mom was a drinker, but she was an amazing woman. And then I find myself, I find myself trying to justify who she was, even though I know logically that this side of her, the darker side of her, that did not define who she was as a person. Her legacy work is on lives on in the people she taught and in us um, and the people she like we loved her and who she loved and who remember her so fondly that was her legacy it wasn't the fact that she was traumatized and drank so that got me thinking because there are a lot of people out there who have lost people to suicide who have lost people to addiction who have lost people to drugs lots of different ways of expressing it and you don't need to justify why you love somebody and you don't need to justify that you're loving somebody despite the issues that they had. I think um, just being able to give these conditions a voice and to acknowledge them and to love somebody, well, even because of those issues, because those are all part of who they are, until they die and they do their healing and they come back as a healed version – those flaws, those imperfections, those struggles that they have, that, that helps to make up who they are as a person. And even if we want so much more for them than they're willing to see or to allow for themselves, it doesn't take away who they are in their soul, in their heart or at their core. So this is, I guess, 
me asking you to give yourself permission to love your addicts, to love the people who have been damaging, to love the people who have been toxic to you in some way. Uh, because if there was anything there worth loving, then you deserve to honor that. And you don't need to explain why and you don't need to make up any excuses for yourself. You're allowed just to feel what you need to feel and understand that everyone deserves the grace to make their own choices, regardless of how we feel about that. It's not ever that we weren't enough. And this, particularly in suicides, it's not that we weren't enough to keep somebody here. It's that they just weren't capable in that moment and in that space to see that. They couldn't see past their own pain. They couldn't see past their own trauma. And sometimes it was just one bad day. You know, sometimes that's all it takes. But it doesn't matter how they got there. The fact is they did. And nothing changes that. Nothing can bring them back physically. And nor would most of them want to come back physically. Because they've escaped they've escaped this world of pain, <laughs> you know. Everyone... Everyone, after we die, we go through a healing and a growth and a learning on the other side. And we let go of those human, those human flaws. We let go of pain. We let go of resentment. We let go of anger. Those things don't exist anymore, but we still have to learn the lessons. And especially when we have taken some responsibility for our crossing, you don't get to bypass the lessons. You don't just immediately go to a happy, fluffy white cloud somewhere. You know? <laughs> so... Without a doubt, every single person who I've spoken to who has had these struggles has told me that they've had to go through the lessons, they've had to learn the lessons. Time for them is different, but they've still had to go through it. They come back with so much love and in so much support. And the relationship that we have is often more authentic after they pass away than it could be when they were here, when they weren't able to represent the best versions of themselves when they were here. So... I guess I'm just asking you to have an open heart and an open mind around these situations. Yes, there's pain. Um, yes, there's grief. But grief can either be destructive or it can be healing. And it's our way of looking at these situations which dictates how that goes for us. Now, again, I said before, and I very much stand by that, everyone here has a different journey. We have a different walk and a different relationship with grief. And it will present in different ways. And sometimes it will present in different ways on different days. And either which way, it's absolutely okay. You just have to feel what you need to feel and let it go. But I just wanted to kind of be vulnerable because there's a strength in being vulnerable. And I wanted to let you know that the people who we love and who we've lost on this side of life, even when they have struggles, even when they have addictions, even when they had their own little demons, they are still so worth loving. Nothing takes away from the relationship that you have. And nothing, luckily, will take away from the relationship that you can go on to have if you keep an open mind. So I hope that anyone who, well, I hope that I know that the people who need to hear this will find this. And I hope that it settles something in your soul. I hope that it helps and that it brings some kind of comfort and that you start to turn your grief into something that becomes a healing process and something that you can shine a light on without feeling like you need to justify it. So very short um, little session today. <laughs> I think sometimes the bigger ones have to be shorter, otherwise it's just too much. But I hope you all have a beautiful day, and we will catch you on the other side. Uh, go where you're called, love bravely, and live loud. Have a great week.